reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. Welcome to the NBA Playoff Preview edition of Stats on Deck. I'm Nick Laporte, and I'm joined by Jake Adams. What's up, buddy? How's it going? We are going to jump right into the Eastern Conference, try to predict what teams are going to make the playoffs, who's going to just miss, and we'll take a break in a little while before we get into the West. So, Jake, first team on our agenda, the number one seed in the East, the Greek Freak and the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis. Team Giannis. He's the MVP. Absolutely. Uh, the Bucks are going to win the East this year. I really... I think they they have done a great job by surrounding Giannis with talent and yes. that can stretch the floor. Um, I like the Miritich trade yep. for precisely that reason. He can play crunch time with that lineup, knock down some threes. The other thing, too, that I really like about the Bucks is that they've understood that Giannis can take over games at times and right. he can kind of be the point forward for their team. But they also have guys like Eric Butzo who they extended for, yes. I think, four years. And they also have Malcolm Brogdon who can run the point when Giannis looking promising. Right. When when he needs to be off the ball. And it kind of right. just gives you that expansion where you're basically playing like a five out system. Yes. Where you just got shooters everywhere on the floor. It's and then, a perfectly built team around Giannis. Yeah. I agree. Uh, uh so they have a two and a half game lead on the Raptors right now. Mm-hmm. Um we're gonna also sort of go over the Raptors real quick here. Um Something we were talking about earlier, the Raptors aren't as exciting as some of the other Eastern playoff teams. Uh, they they got Kawhi, which was awesome. They added Mark Gasol at the deadline. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on Toronto? I think another underrated pick, and some people might laugh at this, but the, the fact that they picked up Jeremy Lin as just another guy True. on their bench to be able to just produce in that second unit, I think was actually an underrated he's, pick. He's been solid as a bench guy for the last couple seasons well, I think, when he's healthy. Right, and he plays right into that role, right? It's just kind of yeah. like that second shooting guard on the on the second team to come in and just kind of like tied you over yeah. until Kyle Lowry comes back in the game, Danny Green. Um, I mean, the Raptors, the Raptors are always good in the regular season, right? but it always comes down to the same thing. It's, are they going to be able to get over the hump? Right, and that's why I think the addition of Kawhi and the subtraction of DeRozan was a good thing because we knew the ceiling for Toronto with the previous iteration. It was Eastern Conference Finals at best. Uh, they might have been able to squeak a finals trip now that LeBron's out of the conference, but I think... Getting Kawhi makes it possible for Toronto to actually make it to the finals. I look at Toronto's starting five. You've got Lowry at the point guard. You've got Danny Green at shooting guard. Obviously, quiet, small forward. Yeah. And then Pascal Siakam, who's one of my favorite players one this the, year. One of the up-and-coming stars, I would say. It just It's just fun to watch him play because he can shoot from anywhere on the floor. He plays yeah. really good defense, can, can be a rim protector, but can also just take over at right. times. And then Serge Ibaka, you know, aging, but yeah. still rim protector, plays his position. Obviously just got suspended for three <laughs> games. Right. Um, but the thing that's interesting about Toronto is that, like, they've kind of, they're kind of built like a traditional basketball team. Yeah, They have, like, true. a true point guard, yeah. a true shooting guard, a true small forward. And they're just, they're just soundly built. But I don't know how far it's going to take them. Yeah, I have to agree. I think um, looking at 
you know, potential first-round matchups. They should be able to beat Brooklyn, Detroit, Miami, Orlando, whoever they're matched up with. And then in the second round, they'd probably most likely be playing Philly or Boston. Mm -hmm. I think they have the capability to beat them. I don't know if they could get through Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't see them being able to get through Milwaukee. I think it's Milwaukee's conference to lose right. at this point. But having said that, I mean, we've watched Toronto be the best team in the East and fall out in the first round. True. Right? Very so true. So we don't know. The other thing I want to say about their depth, too, is adding Marcus Saw, I think, was really big for them. I would almost like to see Mark starting. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily a better overall player than Serge Ibaka right now, but I think his skill set complements that starting lineup more. Uh, he's, in my opinion, a better rim protector. He can stretch the floor. He's added the three-pointer to his arsenal. And I I think it's good that they're managing his minutes right now, getting him ready for the playoffs. But I think when playoff time rolls around, you're going to want Mark Gasol in there in that 30-plus minute range. Do you see Toronto being able to push past, like, say, like, do you, would you say their chances are better playing the Celtics or the Sixers in the second round? Um, I think... They would probably rather play the Sixers just because they have the center depth to stop Embiid in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, with Mark Gasol and even Serge Ibaka. And I also worry about Ben Simmons shooting, which we'll get into in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Boston has so many weapons, and honestly, if it came down to Toronto versus Boston, I might be tempted to pick Boston just because I think their overall talent might be higher. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think that Toronto would probably rather see the Sixers um, if they had to choose. I just think Boston has the ability, and I think they will be able to show this once you know it gets down to the winning time in the playoffs. I think Boston's just going to be able to go to another level. I think they're going to put some of their petty stuff aside. Right. You know, and just in minutes and all that other thing. And the goal is really just going to be about winning. And I think Brad Stevens will really get his time to shine, especially in the playoffs, you know, when the games matter more right. and you're drawing things up. Um, yeah, I see the Celtics being a problem really for anybody they play. I, I say it's the Bucks to, uh conference to win. Right. But, I mean, the Celtics could beat everybody. I, I have to agree that we let's talk about the Celtics a little bit more. Um, this most recent road trip for them, they beat the Warriors, the Kings, and the Lakers. They swept California, basically. And uh, there's this legendary plane ride yeah. where Brad Stevens and Kyrie Irving hashed it out, and Kyrie kind of kumbaya'd the team into playing better. Um, I don't know if I buy into that it saved their season, but I think I like Boston a lot more today than I did 10 days ago. <sighs> I, I don't know how much stock I put into the to the to the flight. I know that everybody I know that Kyrie had a heart to heart with Brad Stevens and the, and then openly apologized right. to the team thirty five thousand feet above the air. <laughs> but like I'm worried that Kyrie's hand was on the door lock of like the airplane and was like, listen, either we can all forget this and forgive each other. This plane's not going to make it to to San Francisco. Oh, I see. You think he coerced them into getting along? <laughs> I do, and I think that's they were also happy to be alive and land in San Francisco. That it showed by beating Golden State by twenty something points. Right? I mean, they didn't just beat them. I mean, they embarrassed, they killed them, them yeah. on their home court. So yeah, I I don't know how much stock I put into it, but I do know that they have a crazy crazy depth and talent. I yes, mean, they're probably the deepest team in the NBA. I, I would say so. Um, you look at. Honestly, only center is where they're kind of weaker. Mm-hmm. They have um, Aaron Baines backing up Al Horford, which is a little bit of a concern, but 
to be fair, Baines played pretty well in the last postseason. Um, I could see Boston jumping up to three. They've been in the five spot for much of much of the season lately, but um, they're about a game and a half back from both Philly and Indiana. I don't know if they'll jump all the way to three. I think they will jump up to four, though. So one question that I actually had, and when I was at the Wizards game against the Celtics earlier in the year, and this is um, Al Horford had a night off, um, there was this kid that I saw play. It was one of their draft picks, I think, from last year, Robert Williams III. Right. This kid is freaky athletic. And I, I, I have watched the Celtics when they're on prime time, but I haven't seen him enough to know. Why does this kid not play more? He, he can stretch the floor out for the Celtics. He can rim protect. And he also jumps like it, like his head is over the backboard. And I'm, I'm trying to think why he hasn't moved up more th- to back up uh, their, their starting spot with Al Horford. But like I said before, I mean, when your second unit is Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, right. Gordon Hayward, Daniel Thies, you know, and then Marquise Morris or, or one of the starters, I mean, that's got to be the best bench in basketball. I'd have to agree. Um just one note about Williams. I believe when Boston took him, uh, there were effort concerns. And we know Brad Stevens doesn't have a problem playing young players. Mm-hmm. So I think the reason he's not getting much time here is probably more of a mental problem than it is a basketball problem. Because he's definitely got the tools to be a good player. Um, but, but yeah, looking past him, I mean... Uh, Jalen Brown's going to be due for a decent payday when he becomes a free agent. Terry Rozier, future Phoenix son. Yeah, I've never seen a guy more destined to be a son in my entire life. I mean, he's the starting point guard. Good luck with the three assists per game, Phoenix. Uh, but he's a good player, truly. And um, I do like I do like Boston's depth here. And I think um, depth isn't always the best thing in the playoffs because you do shorten your rotation to like seven or eight guys. But when you look at uh, Boston's you know, primary guys, you've got Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward. I mean, these guys, if they play up to their potential, they're probably the only team with enough talent to give the Warriors a scare. The problem is they haven't been able to realize that potential all season. No, I agree with you. And then the other question, the other big question, Mark, is what type of Gordon Hayward are you going to get? Right. He's shown um, signs lately of breaking through and recovering from that injury but overall he's been incredibly inconsistent and honestly Brad Stevens has been very stubborn giving him a lot of playing time when there are younger guys that have kind of shown more than he has this season but that's the thing if Boston's going to make it to the finals it's going to take Gordon Hayward playing like Utah Hayward. Gordon's shown in this year of in coming back that horrific en- injury. I mean, he's shown the ability when there are big games that he. I mean, he produces. I mean, right. like there's obviously the frustrating stretches when you're playing teams like Miami or you're playing teams, yeah. you know, like Orlando or whoever it is. But I mean, when they got big teams on the schedule, when they're playing the Bucks, when they're playing Golden State last week, I mean, right. he he has like twenty point plus games yeah. in good minutes. Oh yeah, he's definitely still got all the talent in the world. The question is. We saw Paul George uh, with a very similar injury. It took him over a year to come back, even close to what he was before. I think everybody that expected Hayward to come in right away and be the same guy, it wasn't likely. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, he's shown signs lately, and we'll see just how good he can be and how far Boston can go. Right. 
So now I want to talk about the 76ers a little bit. Um, Philly went all in with their trades this season. They traded for Jimmy Butler. Mm -hmm. They traded for Tobias Harris. They gave up pretty much all the depth that they had and all the draft capital just to get this extremely talented starting five. So they have J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. I mean, on paper, that sounds like potentially a better starting five than the Warriors. Oh, on paper, I mean, it's it's dynamic. I mean, you've got elite scoring and, I mean, 20-plus points a game from four out of the five guys on your group. Right. And one of those guys can't even shoot. True. Right? So the, the way that I look at the Sixers, regardless of your opinion of, you know, their trades at the deadline with Elton Brand and their GM, regardless of how you feel about, well, you know, they already had a small forward in Jimmy Butler. Why yeah. did you go get Tobias Harris? Or, you know, you spend all these years tanking yeah. to build up. Why would you blow all those draft picks? Yeah. I, I think they realize that it's been within these next two years, I think that they feel like – in, in their own room that they can compete not only to yeah. win the East but to possibly challenge the Warriors. I think that regardless of the, if Ben Simmons can shoot or not, you've got Tobias Harris who can go off for a 30 clip if whenever he wants. True. You've got Joel Embiid who's arguably one of the best centers and I mean arguably the best center in right. basketball. I, he's already like a top six or seven guy at this point when he's healthy. Right, and I think that they've been smart with how they've managed his workload and they kind of know what he is and they realize that if we can kind of secure one of those top spots in the East, yeah. we can save him and then get going for the games that matter come the playoff. Yeah, I think that was a huge problem last year in the playoffs. Uh, Philly went on that really impressive run to close out the season, get to 50 wins, and then they faltered against the Celtics largely due to the fact that Embiid was kind of worn out. I think, honestly, this injury might be a good thing for them because Embiid's going to be a little bit more rested and it's given uh, Brett Brown a little bit of time to figure out what else he has on the team. And I've liked what Ben Simmons has shown us this season. However, I worry a lot about him going into the playoffs because when you look at the teams they're going to have to get through, Brad Stevens is a great coach. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Budenholzer with the Bucks is a great coach. Um, Nick Nurse with the Raptors. We don't really know if he's a great coach yet or not, but we haven't seen Toronto take a step back, which I think is a good sign. Mm -hmm. So when you look at these coaches, they're going to know how to take the ball out of Ben Simmons' hands and make it hard for him to affect the game in the playoffs the same way he does in the regular season. So I worry about the how far Philly can go when one of your best guys still has to be within five feet of the rim to score. I mean, at least... For Embiid, he's not a great shooter, but at least he can stretch the floor a little bit mm -hmm. and make teams think about it. With Ben Simmons, if he's not taking a hook shot, he's not really scoring. Right. So is would it be a hot take to say that this team will only go as far as J.J. Redick will take them? I think it's a hot take, but it's a true take. <laughs> right. We've, we've kind of talked about this. I mean, you, you go up and down this list. I mean, the most important player on this team is Joel Embiid, right? Right, of course. But then it starts to become an argument, right? I mean, because right. I could make the argument that J.J. Redick, having made it to a finals with the Orlando Magic, right, right having made deep runs in the playoffs with the Clippers, yeah. right, seasoned veteran. Well, he's made the playoffs every year of his career. Where he's never missed, right? right. So going off Which of that, is the anti-DeMarcus Cousins, by the <laughs> way, who will finally make the playoffs for the first time this year. Right, on, on basically an asterisk. <laughs> but we, we, we'll wait for that when we do the West. But I think 
I think his presence in the locker room, being that kind of seasoned veteran, him recognizing his role, you know, to kind of move around, make shots for them when they need it, but also to take a step back for TJ McConnell, for Jimmy Butler, give shots up to other people. And then also, I mean, I can't stand the city of Philadelphia. I'm sorry. I'm not a big fan. But having said that, this 76ers team is really fun to watch. Oh, yeah. And, um... I don't know. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about what-ifs, but it seems to me that they prematurely gave up all their assets to go after Tier 2 guys like mm-hmm. Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler when, uh, let's say you don't make the Butler trade at the deadline. I think you can put together the best package for Anthony Davis. I don't know if he's the perfect fit next to Embiid and Simmons, but I think... I would rather bet on Simmons, Embiid, Anthony Davis versus the team they have now. And then another thing that we've talked about before is uh, Mike Conley was available Mm -hmm. and Drew Holiday was available. Yep. Um, Tobias Harris's skills overlap with Jimmy Butler's. They don't really have a good point guard and they certainly don't have a good defensive point guard. I don't know why you make that trade for Tobias Harris instead of one of the other two guys I mentioned. Well... Another thing to go back to as well is I'm just going to rattle off a couple names, and you can tell me if you think that this team is better a year from now or two years from now with these guys instead of A, Jimmy Butler, B, Tobias Harris, right? right? So if you replace Jimmy Butler with Clay Thompson, are the 76ers better? 100%, yes. Okay. If you replace Clay Thompson with Tobias Harris, are the 76ers better? I think Clay Thompson's probably better. You think Clay Thompson? Yeah, I would agree with you. So, and then the other guy that I go back to is like another another possible free agent. Like, I mean, this is dreaming a little bit because he hasn't been linked to them. But I mean, what about Kawhi? I mean, Kawhi for any of those. Well, Kawhi was linked to them um, in the trade talks last summer. Sure. Um, Ultimately, it fell through because Popovich wanted a bona fide All Star coming back in the deal. By the way, Demar Derozan didn't make an All Star team this year. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't like, I, I like Elton Brand's going for it, which I think is, is something positive. You, when, when you have talent in place like that, you want to make a run. Right. But I think, so, so they've gotten rid of all of their cap space because they're going to sign either Jimmy or Tobias or both mm-hmm. this summer. And that hamstrings your cap. Who would you rather have? Uh, between the two of them, I'd probably rather have Tobias Harris, I think. He is a more positive team player. He's a better shooter, and uh, he's probably going to cost potentially slightly less, although Jimmy's definitely lost some value yeah. over the course of this season. Um, so I, I like what Elton Brand has done. He's he's making it so Philadelphia has the talent to make it to the finals. But, I don't know, giving up all your cap space, giving up all of your draft capital, locking in on two guys that are fringe all-stars, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but... Uh, Philly is definitely going to be the number three seed the way we're looking at it. I don't think they can jump up to the top two at this point. Um, They're five and a half games back behind Toronto. The Mm -hmm. Embiid injury hurt them there. Sure. So now we should talk about Indiana. So Indiana lost Victor Oladipo, which was, to put it simply, the worst thing that could happen. It was devastating. He's their star player. He's their guy, and he was having a terrific season that being said, Indiana is still a home court advantage team in the playoffs right now. Oh, no question. The other thing, too, to think about is, I I mean, Indiana and their team should get an award because when your star player goes down, especially 
in a game like basketball in the yeah. NBA where it's so dependent in, you know, in certain stretches of the game on the caliber of the players that you have. Yes. To be able to rebound like this and compete with the top teams in the Eastern Conference yes. and still make, remain relevant. I mean, you lose Victor Oladipo a third of the season. You have every reason and nobody bats an eye yeah. for you just to fall off the face of the game. Oh, game-up. yeah. They could have tanked and we all would have not blinked an eye at that. We, we actually would have been normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? A star player like that goes down for the year. You just immediately think to yourself, okay, well... This isn't our year. We'll retool, yeah. and they've taken the exact opposite approach. I mean, they've hankered down on defense. Yep. Right. They are finding ways to hang around with good competitive teams in the East and the West. Yes. And stake and and give themselves a shot at the end of the game. And I I, they're not the most fun team to watch right. play basketball. And it's kind of an island of misfit toys on that team. True. But they still have found a way to win, and they're going to be in the playoffs this year. They are, yeah. I, I like their defense um, best in the East at 104 points per game allowed. However, offensively, they do struggle. And right. you can blame that pretty much on the fact that Oladipo went down. He was their leading scorer. He was their best player. I like Indiana, and I think right now they're matched up with Boston. I think Boston would win that series. But I think if if Indiana was able to make it through them... I don't know. I, I, I don't think they, they're really a threat to make it even past the second round without Oladipo. Mm-hmm. But I will say, going into next year, getting Oladipo back, they should be looking like a top three team, I would say. Well, Miles Turner's in conversation for Defensive Player of yeah, the Year this absolutely. year, too, right? I mean, yes. he's a bright spot. You've got Bojan Bogdanovic, who's yeah. honestly... He, he is <laughs> one of the most fun players to watch. He, he doesn't look like an athlete. <laughs> He's he's kind of a slow guy, uh, but he tries hard on defense. And when he gets hot from the three point line, he kind of reminds you of Steph Curry. He's in that Kevin Euclid conversation. Uh, he's he looks like an accountant. Yep. But he actually is like a like an under the radar <laughs> like like star professional kind of athlete. A, honestly, this year, if he was playing like he is right now all season, he might have been an all star. And that been. that says a lot about the East. But it also says a lot about how great he's played without Oladipo. Yes, yeah, so I'm. I tip my cap to Indiana. I I like that they chose. They were like, regardless of if we have Victor or not, we're gonna play. I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, they're 22 games. What is it? No, no, they're like 17 games over 500 right now. Yeah, I mean that's impressive. Yeah, I mean they're 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 dead even with Philadelphia. And when you look at the two teams' rosters, uh, Philadelphia should be way higher than Indiana. I think it says a lot about. The way they're coached, the way they play on defense, and the way they play as a team. Yep. So now, now we want to move on to the the lower half of the conference, uh, the ones that are harder to watch for a lot of us. However, the Brooklyn Nets right now in the sixth spot, they have been a fun team to watch this year. Brooklyn's been a lot of fun. You have Joe Harris who just won the three point competition yep. over over Steph. Uh, that was fun to see. Uh, you kind of feel good for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, you, in, at least recently, you've kind of been used to them, you know, being subpar, yep. kind of lower, tanking. tanking, not being relevant. But, I mean, you've got D'Angelo Russell, who has completely changed his career around coming from L.A., right? He's First time All-Star this year. He's a go-to. He's a go-to scorer in crunch time. He can carry a team for stretches. Yeah. Joe Harris, who's a premier three-point shooter. Yeah. I think he's leading the league in three-point percentage this year. And then... Going off that, Damar Carroll, power forward, kind of that patented defensive 3 yeah. and D kind of guy. And then Jared Allen, who I've got a lot of questions about uh, at the center position, but he's yeah. fun to watch play because you have no idea what goofy thing he's going <laughs> to do. Um, 
And then Karis LeVert coming back from injury. Yeah, LeVert coming back has been interesting because you would think D'Angelo Russell would slow down a little bit, but he's actually been playing better since the All-Star break, which I think says a lot about how he fits into this team. I like the talent that they have. I really do. Um, I don't know if they're a threat to really win their first-round matchup, Mm-mm. no matter who they're matched up with. Yeah. But But I really like them going forward, and I think... They do have cap space, and this summer they're going to be a team to watch because um, they're in New York. They play for one of the high-profile teams in the league. They have a young team with a lot of good players. Um, I don't know if it's Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, uh, probably not Clay Thompson, but I think if one of the marquee free agents wants to head to New York, say Kevin Durant, for example— I think Brooklyn's a better bet than the Knicks, honestly. Well, if I was Kevin Durant's agent right now, I would be pushing him as hard as I could to be go playing in Brooklyn. Because of the two, you've got the least amount of dysfunction, yep. right? I mean, Are there, the Knicks... It's crazy to say it because they traded away all their first-round picks a few years ago to get Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, and it didn't work out for them. They The farthest they made it was the second round. Um, and they've been really in a bad spot since then because they haven't been able to infuse any new young talent from the top of the draft. That being said, they seem like a well-run organization right now. Well, it's certainly much better than what you've got going down in Manhattan with with the New York Knicks. I mean, James Dolan is running that team into the ground. Kicking fans out for life. For kicking fans out for life for speaking an opinion without obscenities, without throwing things, (laughs) just just actually talking like a human being. Yeah, I don't. I just. I I don't want to get too off topic here, but I don't know why guys like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, why would they want to go play for an owner like that? Well, the thing you hear too nowadays is like players, like star players that are looking to go play in different cities, right, are so conscious of who the coach is, what the yep. front office looks like, who's the owner, what's the owner invested in, like yeah. what's their personality type. Yeah, you don't see guys just chasing money these days, no. really. You see them chasing situations. Right, it's an intelligence thing because now it's not just about the dollar amount. It's about the quality of life. It's about the work environment. And honestly, it's become more of like what people, like what regular people that go look for jobs value, right? It's just like how am I going to be treated at work? Who am right. I going to be working with? Right. Who's my boss? And those things matter. 20 years ago, it was how much money can I get paid? Yes. You know what I mean? And those things weren't valued as much. But we're getting into this player power, player empowerment era yeah. where those things are at the forefront of their minds. And yes. I, if I had wanted to go live in New York and I wanted to have all the advertisement availability and all those things, yeah. why, you're in Brooklyn. It's yeah, right across. Yeah. The, it's right across. Still in New York bridge. City. Like you're still in New York City. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Brooklyn – um, they, they have the trademarks of a young up and coming team. Uh, they're pretty good at home, 21 and 16. They struggle on the road. They're 15 and 17 on the road. Although to be fair, Boston is 17 and 17. So yep. it's not like, it's not like they're not keeping pace. And, uh, they're one of the six teams in the East with a positive differential. It's only 0.1 points. So it's not that much, but, uh, they're also looking good lately. They're on a four game win streak and, um, this team's going to go as far as D'Angelo Russell takes them, which is probably the first round. That's concerning. But um, <laughs> they're a team to watch in the future for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, and then just the last thing I want to say, because you brought up a good point. It, I think home court advantage, especially in the East. I mean, in basketball, it's huge, but yes. especially in the East. I think if you don't have that that home advantage, home court advantage right. through the first two rounds, I would be concerned. And that's why I would like to see the Celtics be able to push – Potentially into that 
four to three spot right. because they're going to need it. They're going to need it, yeah. They're not a good the, road The team. only guy who doesn't need home court is LeBron, and unfortunately he's going to miss the playoffs. I don't like uh, hearing that. Everybody else needs needs home court usually. Right. So let's move on to another team that has been playing well lately. Eight and two in their last ten, the Detroit Pistons. They're Blake Griffin's team now, which sounds a lot better right now than it did maybe six months ago. Detroit's hard for me to 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 watch and to talk about. It's it's kind of like that middling of the road. Like if they were playing in the West right now, we wouldn't even be having a right, conversation they, they, about it. It would them. be a little bit below Minnesota. So Detroit's hard for me to watch. I've never really been a huge Blake fan, and then the rest of their team is is just so wishy washy. You've got Reggie Jackson at the yeah. point. He's been playing well lately. He has been, but I mean, is that going to be reliable in the in the first round against Toronto? Probably not. No. Right, and then the one guy that I will say that I do enjoy watching is Andre Drummond. I like I like his ability to be a rim protector. I also like Drummond's got to be the only guy in NBA history that's averaging, by the way, seventeen and a half points and fifteen rebounds in a season, which is outstanding. And the only thing he ever hears is criticism. Right. It's, it's why don't you make your free throws? Yeah. Why don't you do this? You know. Yeah. The clog in the lane for Blake, right. et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of why I go in it. It's just Detroit's just not very enticing to watch. It's just no, kind of like not. this wish wash, like hero ball. And then the worst And they part, got two Reggies. Right. You got two Reggies, which is confusing. Oh, no, did they tra- I think they traded Reggie Bullock. My mistake. But. Going into that, one of the most frustrating things for me to see, and this is kind of what we've evolved with, you know, all of the fascination with the three-point line, is you have one of the best high-post, low-post duos in Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, probably in basketball, right? And what you have is Blake Griffin stepping out to take six to seven three-pointers a night right? when he could get to the rim at will and shoot between 10 and 14 free throws a night. And he chooses to shoot threes. And it drives me absolutely crazy. I'm going to have to agree with you. I like the fact that Blake is more of a playmaker right now. Like, he he has the ball in his hands. Uh, he's not focusing on only posting up. We, we saw to some success in, in L.A., but not, not a whole lot. I like the fact that he leads his team in assists with almost five and a half. But I, I also don't like the jump shooting. I think there are certain guys that need to get down and get their points in the post, and Blake is one of them. And I think, honestly, it's what may cost Detroit the chance to win their first-round series. However, it's a poorly constructed roster, so that's going to cost them even more. And I think that's why you're seeing Blake Griffin step out for threes. It's because who else on this team (laughs) is consistently making threes? I mean, you have Luke Kennard, formerly a Duke basketball player, coming off of the bench and coming in to make threes. I mean, Ish Smith, maybe, on a good day. But the thing is, is Blake has to produce for them and be their number one scoring option. The only thing, and this is what alludes to it, is the poorly constructed roster, right? Yeah. Is watching Blake Griffin in that terrible jump shot step out from 27 feet away yeah. and shoot threes is infuriating to watch because, I mean, you remember with the Clippers and Lob City and all that fun yeah. stuff. I mean, even at the high post, like, if he gets his back to the basketball yeah. with a ball, I mean, he's either going to score or he's going to get fouled. Yep. And I, I just don't like the step up, but that's the day and age we're in. Yep, so. I agree. So last last couple teams we're going to talk about, um, there's a race for the eight seed in the East. The same way there is in the West, however. It's not as exciting in the East. Right now, the Miami Heat hold the spot. They're 31-35. and 35. That doesn't sound very good saying it out loud. <laughs> uh, chasing right behind them, the Orlando Magic, 31-37. and 37. They're a game back from Miami. 
And then a game and a half back from Miami is the Charlotte Hornets at 30 and 37. Uh, the Wizards are probably out of it at this point at 28 and 39. How they're even in the discussion is is a black mark on the East more than anything. That's true. So um, instead of wasting time talking about all all these crappy teams, um, Orlando, Miami, Charlotte, who's getting the eight spot? Um, personally, I want Orlando to make the spot. I think they're a fun team to watch. Yeah. Um, I, I just I, I'm glad Dwayne Wade's getting his farewell tour. He's one of the greater shooting guards in the 2000s. I mean, yeah, he won championships with LeBron. It was great to watch. But I just I gotta be honest with you, I'm a little bit tired of the. Dwayne Wade farewell tour, and I don't think it needs for me. It doesn't need to end with the Bucks sweeping them in the first round. I, I just, think, I think there there is grace in missing the playoffs sometimes. I think there is because if they get into a situation where the Heat are playing the Bucks, I know the Heat play defense. They lo- they hold teams to low right. scoring games. The Bucks are going to kill them. Yeah, and I think the only team of these three that actually has a legitimate chance on a good night is the, is the Orlando Magic to make it interesting, and that's what I want. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Orlando should get it. Uh, they're better in conference play. They're twenty one and nineteen, which honestly isn't that bad. It's it's uh, semi comparable to Detroit. Um, they really don't have a great built team. They're not. They're not well-constructed, but they do play good defense to their credit. They have the third-best defense in the East uh, behind Indiana and Miami. Nikola Vucevic, first-year All-Star this year. Um, there's not much more to say. It's just they're, they're a more exciting team to watch. Do you think Charlotte's more capable of, of giving the Bucks a run for their money than the Magic? Just because Batum, Walker, right. you know, just that team. Do you think... I would say... I would, my, I would pick Orlando because... When you have Brooke Lopez as the guy that's going to be guarding Vucevic for the most part, I kind of like Vucevic in that matchup. Whereas um, with Charlotte, Kemba Walker, I think Eric Bledsoe's a pretty solid defender most of the time. And I think he'd be able to slow down Kemba a little bit more. And uh, Kemba doesn't really have anything besides... Uh, or Charlotte doesn't have much besides Kemba. So I agree. Um, one last thing before we wrap up the East. Who's getting Zion? Um, if it's an Eastern team, and I think it, I, I'm going to say, let's just say it is. For it's the more, sake of this it's more likely to be an Eastern team when you look at it. Uh, Phoenix is the only team in the West that has a really good shot at him. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely don't want him to go to Cleveland. They get too many number one picks it anyway. Never goes well. Um, Chicago. Eh, I mean. You never want to see a, a good young player go to Chicago like that because all they're going to do is compare him to Michael Jordan and criticize him. Um, I'm coming around on the Knicks. Like we've talked about, they are a very, very poorly run team. But basketball in New York, when when they are a good team, can be fun. And um, Zion would definitely inject some life into that team. That being said, if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with my Wizards. <laughs> I, listen, I would love it if John Wall and Bradley Beal playing with Zion. I mean, that well, we, you know, in that case, you might might be able to get rid of John Wall, sell that contract yeah. off, and maybe maybe ship it for something oh. else. Now, the idea, I mean, I would, I think having, and this is perfect. Everything goes, yeah. absolutely perfect, right? You have Kevin Durant and Kyrie, yeah. and then you get the number one pick with Zion. Yeah, I I think that would overshadow, and it would take care of a lot of the issues that you have with that front office because right. of the talent on your team. Oh yeah, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say how far they would go, 
But I mean, because Zion in his rookie year, I have no doubt that he could win rookie of the year. But I mean, right. he's still he's still going to be a rookie. He needs to yeah. evolve into the league, right? I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win. He the doesn't championship. necessarily fit in with the potential Kyrie KD win now team, right? Um, I will say one more note. Um, not one of my favorite teams personally, but uh, he would definitely fit in well on the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are aren't they slowly starting to look like the rebuilt Golden State yeah, Warriors? They, they kind of have uh, they're piecing together their own version of the Warriors, and um, Trey Young has been playing great basketball in the second half, making an argument for rookie. Right. He's not going to win it, but he's making an argument. John Collins. Yep. Um, but I mean, you get. I mean, you put that team together. You've got Trey Young, who's acting like Steph Curry. Yeah. You could have, potentially have Zion, who could play that better version of Draymond Green. Basically, you've got Chris in the rim protector. I mean, right. they're like the twenty. They could be the twenty fourteen, maybe twenty fifteen Warriors. Yeah, before uh, they definitely be a be a future contender if they do land Zion. But all would have to go crazy well, right? Right. Well, well, in that case, if they do land Zion, then they probably did win the Luka Doncic trade. In that case, they um, would. Yeah. If they don't get Zion. Dallas definitely won it. Sure. So we're going to take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Western Conference. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Now we're going to go into the Western Conference NBA action playoff preview. Uh, first team, obviously, we got to mention the Golden State Warriors. Top of the West, uh, pretty much the favorite to win the title. By an overwhelming margin. Again. Again. This will be the third year in the row in a row and fourth out of five years. Um forty five and twenty one right now. They sit atop the West. With not that big of a lead though, right? I mean right. they're only up two game well, game and a half. A game on and Denver. a half over Denver and three and a half over Houston. By the way, Houston's on a nine game win streak. Yes, they are. We'll get into them in a second. Uh what do you think about Golden State this year? Well, I think Steve Kerr and I are both tired of Draymond Green. I think yeah, I think you're right about that. <laughs> I think we're both I think we're both tired of Draymond Green. If I have to watch him shoot another three pointer, uh, well, see, I was just watching um, Game Six, Oklahoma City versus Golden State. Oh, it's a classic. Um, 2016. Uh, before listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, where mm-hmm. he went over that game. Draymond could shoot. Yeah. He, do you remember in the he finals? He was knocking down threes. In game seven of the 2016 finals when they lost to LeBron. He was great. Five of five in he the first great. half of three. He was outstanding. Can't Where did shoot. that go? He can't shoot anymore. It doesn't just disappear. He had his one year of shooting. I don't I don't know what happened. Anyway, Golden State, I mean, they're the most Doesn't it feel like you're being robbed every time it's not Steph, Clay, or KD taking a three? Oh, yeah. Like, even when Iguodala pulls up, you're like, dude. Just play defense. I've never seen a rainbow shot like that in my <laughs> life. Having said all of that, um, I'm very thankful for the idea that after this season, potentially Golden State is going to lose Kevin Durant yep. and or Clay Thompson, maybe both. Right, and then Draymond it, a year later. Draymond a year later, and we can kind of get back to some semblance of normality in the NBA where there's yes. actual parity. Yes. Well, yes. Um, we should mention KD has been linked to the New York Knicks. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, whether it's the Knicks or someone else, KD seems to be making the moves to leave the team that he'll have won three straight championships with. Kind of perplexing, honestly. But well, um, you've got the idea. I know we we listen to Bill Simmons' podcast. I mean, the thing that he talks about, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, is that Kevin hasn't won 
by like not by himself, but where he's As undetermined, the, right. like the number one guy, the alpha guy, the number one alpha dog, and I think I think that eats at him. And I, I th- well, I think he went to Golden State and he thought I'm the best player on the team. I'm going to be the number one guy, and it's going to be like when LeBron went to Miami. I'm going to take over that team and win championships. Right. What he didn't factor in was the fact that Golden State fans like Curry more. Mm-hmm. Most NBA fans like Curry more. I know I it's do. Still, I know I do. <laughs> it's still Curry's team. And yes, Kevin Durant has the two finals MVPs, but I think it's clear the one guy that team needs to be successful over anybody is Curry. Well, it's kind of like goes back to, and it's all surmised in the ring ceremony at the beginning of the last two years, right? It's been like everybody gets their rings, but who's always the last person to get a ring? Right. It's Steph. It's the who gets the microphone to drop down the banner? It's Steph. And the guy who's probably going to retire with the Warriors is Steph. He's the face of the team, and uh, I don't blame KD for potentially leaving, but I don't think you're going to see it too often in NBA history where a guy wins championships year after year, and then leaves that situation. I, yeah, I I mean, the Warriors are fun to watch when you're not tired of them, right. and they're likely to win the championship. Having said that, I mean, it's just there's not a lot of whole thing to go into. I mean, you know what they are. It's it's Kevin Durant. Yep. It's Kyrie. It's not Kyrie. It's, uh, <laughs> St- it's Steph. Well, that's a preview for it, next that's year. That's a preview for next year. It's Steph, Clay, Draymond getting angry, kicking Get, people in the nuts. They got Boogie this year. They got Boogie on a, on a BS contract. <laughs> One year, five million. Right, just to pick up a ring. Going into all that, I mean, it, everybody knows what the Warriors are. Yeah. But the team below them yeah. is well, a lot well, of fun. Before we, go oh, okay. to, before we go to the Nuggets, uh, I just want to ask you, top of your head, so... Um, the top four contenders in the East, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and Philly. If you had to pick one of those teams that could beat the Warriors or at least give them the most problems, which is the one team? Uh, I would say the Bucks, and I know that sounds obviously obvious because they're the number one team in the right. East right now, but just because of their length and their, their size and they have the ability, they're sound defensively, they can guard they have guys that can guard multiple positions on the floor. Right. They they can stretch the floor out on offense and kinda they can kinda do what the Warriors do where they just play this five out type of yeah. offense and they can just pick you apart where they want to. Having said that, my personal pick of enjoyment yeah. is would be Philly. I would love to watch Philly play against Golden State, I don't think it would work out well for True, true. But that's what I would like to see in terms of a finals. How about you? I would like, um, honestly, it would take them completely figuring out their uh, chemistry issues. But for me, it's the Celtics. Uh, Coming into this season, I think a lot of us thought Boston was going to be the favorite to come out of the East. Mm -hmm. They have the depth that the Warriors don't necessarily. But I just think there's too many question marks there. Um, I definitely like the Bucks. I definitely, I think Philly would make it interesting. I think Philly might be able to grab a game or even two potentially. I don't know about Toronto. Toronto's a question mark for me until we see them in the playoffs because we've seen Kawhi Leonard when he was the the number one guy on a team in San Antonio defeat a super team mm-hmm. as he did to LeBron in two thousand and fourteen with the Heat. So I, I I don't know if I'm ready to take Toronto here as a legitimate threat to Golden State, but I think each of those four teams has the potential to make it a fun finals. All right. Well, I think the best course of action would be to call up Adam Silver. Yep. And we say, we're going to take the two best players from Philly, Boston, Toronto, 
and Milwaukee. Yep. So we're gonna take Giannis and Chris Middleton. Yep. Okay. We'll take Kyrie and who do you want? Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. We'll take uh, Embiid and take your take probably, your pick. Probably um, Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris. Fine. And then last up with Toronto, you take Kawhi and Gasol. Gasol, Kyle Lowry, Lowry, Baca, Lowry, anybody, any of those guys, and then that team plays the Warriors. That's fair in the in the finals, and then you have viewership. That we would all be happy to watch that. Unfortunately, we don't live in that world though. So let's move on here to the Denver Nuggets, the number two seed right now. Um, they are like we just said, a game and a half back from Golden State. Do you think Denver can pull ahead and get the number one overall seed? No, but I don't think it really matters until you end up most likely facing the Warriors. I, I mean, as I mean, if you've been watching the NBA, you know. I mean, Denver is one of the best teams in the right. NBA at home, so that home field, that home court advantage is vital. I mean, they're twenty seven and six at home. Right, right. They they're practically really unbeatable. We don't know because they're so young, yes. and we don't have a sample size of what they're going to look like in the playoffs. Right. Having said that, we know, like I just said, they are good at home, and if you have to play them four out of seven times in their own gym, right. I in that in that type of altitude, in that in that gym, and it does yeah. take a factor, I, I they're dangerous. I mean, if they could find a way to jump and have Golden State play four games in their place, right. I think you have a series. Right. At that point, I would like Denver a lot more. But I, I don't see them – I mean, I just don't see them jumping over because I think if the Warriors are looking at it, they're like, we're within a game and a half coming down to the last two weeks of the schedule. I right. think the Warriors will just turn it on and I, actually I have to caring. agree. I think this is the time where the Warriors take control, get that one seed, and ride that to the back of their third straight championship. They're so fun to watch, though, because you got the Joker in the middle, right? Yes. He's basically almost Denver. playing a point guard. Yes. Right? Denver, and then you also, I mean, you've got Murray just shooting from anywhere in the gym, right? right? I mean, it's just, you've just got a Got a lot of good players there. They're well coached, and they're definitely dangerous at home. Uh, The next team we're going to talk about is the Houston Rockets. Uh, James Harden averaging 36 points a game. Um, They are three and a half back of the Warriors and two games back from Denver for a top two seed. Uh, do you see Houston jumping up into that top two range, or are they stuck in that three, four, five range? I mean, I think they could jump Denver. You know, if they if they continue on the stretch. I mean, like you said, they're on a nine game winning streak right now, right? I mean, they're they're priming up and they're playing their best basketball right. going into the playoffs, which is what well, you they've definitely see. looked better. Um, these post All Star break with Chris Paul and Clint Capella coming back. Um, the the load for James Harden is reduced a little bit. That being said, he is in a little bit of a shooting slump. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. He's still averaging thirty six points a game, so it's not like it's not like he's playing poorly or anything. But uh, that team's only going to go as far as James Harden can shoot them. That's true. And the other thing I think about too is I don't remember the last time, really, in a lot of major sports where you're immediately almost regretting the contract that you give to one of your star oh players goodness. in Chris Paul. I mean, you know that he's had injury problems. He's getting older. But yes. How many years? Four years? I believe it's a four-year extension. Um, so, but going off of that, it's like he's missed parts of the season, and when he's come back, he doesn't look like Chris Paul, right? right. And I mean, he's had flashes, but overall it's been inconsistent. It's been inconsistent, and what does that look like in a year? God yeah, forbid it's, two years. It, it, and it's another frustrating one like we were talking about with Philadelphia. 
when you go in, all in on a player, like if we're being fair, Chris Paul at the time of the deal, he was a top seven player in the NBA. Sure. He was a bona fide superstar, and pairing him with James Harden worked out great last year. They got the number one seed. They were one game away from beating the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. But um, honestly, I know there was probably a handshake deal to Chris Paul that he was going to get the extension. Might have worked out better for them if they let him walk this summer, try to recoup some of that cap space, and maybe go after somebody like Anthony Davis um, or some uh, any of the other marquee free agents. Well, because if you already know, like you said, that the farthest that this team is going to go is how far James Harden shoots them, right? Then why do you need to feel? Why do you feel the need to sign? A guy like Chris Paul that needs the ball in his hands. Or another right? primary ball handler. That need that wants to get his shots and, and be the guy, right? Why why would you not just use all of that cap space uh, right. to field more productive role players around him? Right. I, I definitely agree there. I think um Houston's general manager, Daryl Morey, he's very intent on having two superstars. He feels that once you get the two superstars together, you can build the team around them and be a legitimate contender. That being said, Chris Paul's probably not the right superstar to pair with James Harden for optimal success. Right. So we'll keep an eye on them. Uh, they're, they're, as we said, the hottest team in the NBA right now, mm-hmm. winners of nine straight. Uh, the next team, Oklahoma City Thunder, Paul George is having an MVP campaign. It's He's not going to so- win it, but... He has played his best basketball ever this season. Like, that's just something you feel good about, right? You have the horrific injury yeah. in Las Vegas, right, with the national team. And then he didn't look like the Paul George that he was. And it's understandable. When you have those types of injuries, you don't know mentally, physically what they're going to come back as. And to see him be the best, and I and I do mean this, the best two-way player right. in all of basketball yeah. this year has been a treat to watch. I mean... That's what basketball should be, right? You should right. be able to play. We should play both ends of the floor. You should play both ends of the floor, and it's seldom you find it in the NBA, right? Looking I mean, at you, James Harden. <laughs> well, you look at it. I mean, you have guys like Kawhi Leonard who can do it, but yep. not at the level that Paul George right. has yeah, been Ka- doing it this year. Kawhi, I think they're similar players, mm-hmm. um, definitely. But uh, Kawhi, especially with his load management this year, he hasn't been on the same level that Paul George has reached. And honestly, it's been really outstanding to watch because – you see Russell Westbrook there with the high usage rate, taking a lot of shots, and you think maybe Paul George can't reach his maximum potential, but he certainly has. Paul George has has been the godsend, and honestly, the the silent hero of of the Thunder since yep. KD left. Yes, having the thing that I like watching is like Russ is still going to take 25 shots and maybe make eight of them. Right. And he's going to go one for nine from three. Right. But even in, he's shooting better lately though. He has been shooting better lately, but looking, looking at the total of like what Russell Westbrook is and the fact that nobody, I mean, really no other superstar would really want to play with him. Paul George has been able to mold himself to be amicable with, with him. And Russ, I think has also realized he's like, Russ Russ has got a big head, but I also think he realizes he's like, I have a guy next to me. Right. I think he's a better team player than he gets credit for because we've seen Paul George now have his best season with him and KD's MVP season came with him. So I think there's something to be said when you're the the number two guy playing with MVPs. I think he gets more criticism than he deserves. That being said, he's definitely a flawed player. Would it bother you if you're in a five-point game in the in the coming up on the end of the regular season, right? You're trying to get right. a good spot, right? It's a it's a five point game, and you know 
you know that Russ needs two rebounds and two assists to get a triple-double. Right. Would it bother you that potentially in the back of your mind he values that as more important than in potentially winning the game? Does it would, that bother it you? It would bother me. I don't know if – I think Russell's one of those guys where winning is, is the ultimate thing, but um, let's not pretend these guys don't know what the stats are. Right. Like if Russell knows he's a rebound short of a triple-double, he's probably going to be focused on that rebound. I just um, – the thing that concerns me, right, is if you're in the last couple possessions of the game yeah. and you know that Russell is going to play to the style potentially or do something to either get an assist, get a bucket, or get a rebound and not just focus on making the, the correct play to win. That's right. something that it wouldn't bother me in a small sample, but yeah. over the stretch of the season playing around that and knowing that that could be a thing, I think it would eat at me a little bit. I, I think that's a fair point, definitely. Um, so now we're going to go to... The Portland Trailblazers, they're kind of a hard team to figure out. They have Damian Lillard playing all-NBA-level uh, basketball, uh, tremendous shooting. Uh, CJ McCollum, still inconsistent, but uh, we've liked the addition of Rodney Hood, and Joseph Nurkic has developed into a legitimate rotation big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they have one of the best – I mean, they're obviously the best be- – best backcourt in basketball is Stephen Clay right. as of right now. But, I mean, the argument comes into play when you've got C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard playing side-by-side. Yeah. Side. I know C.J. hasn't had quite the year that he's had in years past, but, I mean, it's still one of the best two-guard yeah. spots in the NBA. Definitely. Going off of that, I mean, they, they're they another fun team in the West. They continue to be relevant and successful in a really hard conference. Yeah. They have surrounded themselves by a ton of shooters. You've got Jake Lehman giving them quality minutes, that guy that they've waited on for two years right. to come off the bench and kind of be a 3-and-D guy. I mean, they have they have good defensive players. As you said, uh, Nurkic playing yeah. as a solid centerpiece. Obviously, he wouldn't be you know a guy you'd seek after to hold down your your center spot in free sure, agency. Sure. But he's fine for what they are. And I, I, think, I, I think regardless of whoever Portland plays in the West, they're going to give you a game. I agree. I agree. I don't think they're going to get bounced in the first round uh, as badly as they did last year when they were swept. Um, that being said, they don't necessarily have the same firepower that some of the other top Western teams do. The other thing, too, is being 15-17 and 17 on the road and yeah. not being able to have, because they're stationed at the five spot right now for the right. playoffs. and they could drop further. They could drop further. Not having a home court advantage could be a problematic because right. if they go if like let's just say how it's matched up right now they're playing oklahoma city right yes let's just say they lose both of their games the first two games in that first round i mean what yes. do you put their chances at even when they go home that's the problem i just think um portland really needed to have got a top three seed this year to confirm that they could make it to the second round if they end up in that four or five spot whether they're playing Houston or Oklahoma City, I think they're definitely not the favorite in that series, and I think they will be going home. But um, we will see with Portland. We don't we don't know what they're capable of necessarily. And Damian Lillard's shown in the playoffs in the past. He is he's a playoff guy. He's going to no show question. up. So let's move on now. Um, maybe the biggest surprise in the West right now: the L.A. Clippers holding down the sixth spot as of today. They're nine and three since adding Zubac at the trade deadline. Big pickup, which turned out to be it's good. A, a huge pickup. I don't think most of us were expecting that. Um, the Clippers have gotten rid of so many players. You kind of wonder why they're not at the bottom of the conference. 
And yet, here they stand pretty much locked into a playoff spot right now. They've just continued to win games. I mean, they're 25-20 and 20 in their conference. They're 11-3 and three in their division, which is not easy to do in the West, right? I mean, it, the, the thing that I go back to with, with Clippers is just like an assembly line of just like, I don't want to say bench players, but yeah. like, it's basically like everybody is of the same rating on the team. Like, nobody is truly better than each other. And when you, when you sub guys in and out... There's never a, an addition or a subtraction. You know what I mean? So you have, Absolutely, you have yeah. Lou Williams going off, coming off the bench. Uh, you know, best bench player probably in the NBA has been oh, six yeah, man been of the year. He's carrying the team lately. Offensive production. I mean, you've got Gallinari, right, having a resurgence in his. In he was honestly a fringe all-star candidate. If he stays healthy, he's he's, he's a productive a, he's player. He's a really good player. But it, that's the thing about the Clippers. It's just they're just – they. Uh, they're getting bounced in the first round. No, no question, what. but they stay relevant in games yeah. long enough to hold on and maybe win, and that's really all you can ask. I mean, right. I honestly think if they end up matched up with somebody like Denver, I think the Clippers are could make that a series. I don't know if they have the the tools to beat someone like Houston, or Oklahoma City, or Golden State, obviously, but I think against Denver they're an interesting pick because Denver, outside of the Joker, it's not it's not a lot of star players. It's a lot of a lot of um, role player guys around him, so we will see what happens with the Clippers. They they're looking like a a legitimate playoff team right now. Um, so then coming down the wire here, the Jazz have fallen to the eight spot, but I think we both agree they should definitely make the playoffs. Um, they're coming off a tough loss to Oklahoma City last night, um, so we'll skip over them a little bit to talk about the final spot. In our opinion, it's between the Spurs and the Kings. What are you thinking? My hope would be that the odd team out of these three, the Spurs, Jazz, and Kings, is that the Spurs drop off just because right. I, I, the Kings are, in the Jazz, in my opinion, are more fun to watch. Yeah, the and, Spurs don't play aesthetically pleasing basketball. Yeah, having said that, what's more likely having, you know, having the Kings be potentially four and a half games back of the Spurs is that I'd like to see the Kings be in the playoffs just because you've got, you know, De'Aaron Fox, yeah. Marvin Bagley. Buddy. I mean, Buddy. Buddy Heald. I mean, you've just got a chasm of just these young, talented college yeah. players that are now moving up into the NBA. And they're just fun to watch. They can put up 130 points in a yeah. night. Or they can, you know, play zero defense and be beat by 25 and give up 150 right. points. Right. Or even lose to the Wizards. Right. Which but- is embarrassing. <laughs> to be clear. But having said that, I mean, I really like the Kings. I think the Jazz are a better team, though. I mean, Jazz play I, I good think, defense. I think we're all wondering. Now, the Jazz are eight games over five hundred, so it's not like they're a bad team. But I think a lot of us were looking at them before the season and thinking, this is a top-four talented team. What are they doing in the eighth spot? Well, I think you've had a regression, a little sophomore slump from Donovan Mitchell who True. carried them in stretches True. of the year. And, and they really needed a guy like Donovan Mitchell to be that – kind of go-to, get-a-bucket kind of guy in the yeah, last couple of minutes. carry them on offense and a little bit. he wasn't there really for the first half of the season. True. Um, I mean, Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year. You've got yep. Premier Rim Protector. You've got Joe Ingles. Yep. Shooting small forward, shooting guard, shooting threes. I mean, they're really sound defensively. Yes. And it's a hard to go in and beat the Jazz at their own place. But the problem, the problem I think it lies is just like – they got a lot of production from guys last year, and they kind of hit guys in the right spot last yeah. year. I think they played a little bit over their heads. I'm not saying that they're a marquee eighth seed, but they've definitely not played up to what they could be. Yeah, I mean, I, in my opinion, there's talent on this team to be as good as a team, say, for example, Portland. But, 
um, for those reasons you mentioned, it just hasn't worked out for them. I definitely agree. I want Sacramento to get in. Uh, looked like they were going to make a push for that eight spot until they ran into a little bit of trouble over this last week and a half or so. Uh, just looking beyond them, it's worth mentioning the Lakers are pretty much officially out of it. They're not mathematically eliminated yet, but they are six games under five hundred, and LeBron's on a minutes restriction. I can't remember since seriously following the NBA not having LeBron James be in the playoffs. That's, that's, it was his uh, first year. That's the only year he didn't make it. That's not good. That's not good for the NBA. Um, definitely not something you want to see when he's still honestly in the prime of his career. I know he's 34 years old, but um, he's still having a very good season discounting that injury. You do not want to see one of the game's great players miss the playoffs in a year like this. I just know that once we take one revolution around the sun, the Lakers are going to get somebody in yep. the, in, in, in the offseason. Whether that's Anthony Davis or Jimmy Butler. But you're going to see the Lakers, at minimum, I think next year, be a top-four seed in the West. I think, I, they should, I think they have the talent to be a top-four seed right now, and if they add a star player, they definitely will. Problem is, you need somebody else to be there when LeBron either misses some time or is going through something. Because as we saw this year, yes, they haven't been playing great basketball since he came back, but they were in position to be a top four seed before his injury, and it's when he got hurt where their their chances really fell down to zero. Uh, it's also worth mentioning 538.com has the Spurs at 97% to make the playoffs. So even though we want the Kings to get in, it's not looking likely. Being being four games back at this stage of the season, out of the eight seed, it's going to be really. They're going to need to go on something like an eight eight and two stretch, something where because I mean the Spurs haven't been playing great. They've they've sort of figured it out lately, six and four over their last ten. But um, they definitely they definitely look like they're solidifying themselves as one of the eight playoff teams. I also just don't see the Jazz falling apart. No, I think the Jazz are, are the safest bet of the three. Yeah, so um, where do you – do you see anything flip-flopping going through the West real quick? So I think the top three seeds are pretty much locked right now, in my opinion. Golden State, Denver, Houston. I do see Portland potentially jumping over Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think those are the two teams. And then I honestly um, – when I wrote down my list before this podcast, I had Utah jumping up to the sixth spot. Uh, it's not looking super likely right now, but I still think Utah is a good bet to finish out the season strong. I like their talent level more than I like the Clippers. And there, uh, the Clippers, Spurs, and Jazz are all the same in the loss column, so it's not like it's crazy to no. see a little shuffling of that of those last three spots. And the Jazz are sitting in eight right now, but I mean they're a game back of the sixth spot. And right. that's what it is. And that's very doable. And of those three teams, I think the Jazz are the most confident. The way that I see that back half shaking out is I think the Blazers could jump the Thunder at that four five, but that's who will be in the four five. Yeah. But in that six, seven, eight, I the way I think it's going to go is the Jazz will be sixth, Spurs will be seventh, and I think the Clippers drop to eight. I think that's definitely possible. Um, when you look at the teams, the Spurs should finish higher than the Clippers. Mm-hmm. That being said, we've seen the Clippers playing some great basketball, so it's really anybody's guess right now how those last few spots will shake out. However, it's looking like pretty much 15 of the 16 playoff spots are decided at this point. Yeah. So 
we'll keep an eye on that over the over the rest of the season and how it looks going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys for listening so uh to Stats on Deck. Really, we do appreciate it. We went over the NBA Eastern and Western Conference playoff scenarios, what we think and how it's going to shake out. I'm Nick Laporte, and I was joined by Jake Adams. Jake, closing thought? Uh, I'm ready. I think we'll do, once the seeds kind of get solidified, we'll go in and we'll, we can do our picks sure. for how we think the brackets will shake up. But uh, I, I hope and I pray that somebody might be able to upset the Warriors going, going from the West and we can get a little bit of parity. That's the only dream we could have. <laughs> Boom. Yo's ball.